Hello and welcome to the EDM podcast. My name is Sam Matler and this interview is with someone called J Sounds. Now he's a producer from Sydney, Australia and he makes a really unique type of music called Warehouse Bass. I came across him a few weeks ago and was blown away and wanted to get him on the show uh, to chat production among other things. In this episode, we talk about a few things. We talk about uh, his background as a producer, how he started out as a DJ. We talk about how he approaches sound design and uh, baseline arrangement, very complex stuff. We talk about a technique that he uses to add complexity to a song. Uh, And we also talk about what his day-to-day looks like. So how he stays focused and creates consistently and what he does when he encounters uh, writer's block. So it's a good short interview. about half an hour. Hope you enjoy it. If you do, head on over to edmprod.com forward slash iTunes and leave a rating and review. That is edmprod.com forward slash iTunes. Also, if you want to see the full show notes for this episode, head on over to edmprod.com forward slash 88. That is edmprod.com forward slash 88. Without further ado, here is Jay Sounds. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Welcome back to the EDM podcast. Today I'm joined by James, better known as Jay Sounds. James, how's it going? Good, thanks, man. Yourself? Yeah, good, good. Super excited to have you on the show. It took me a while to come across your music, actually, even though I've kind of been following artists in the Australian music scene. But I came across your work and was blown away, so I wanted to get you on. Uh, But tell us about your background. How did you get into music initially, and how did you get from that point to where you are today? Um, So I started as a mobile DJ when I was about 13 years old. Um, so I was doing house parties every weekend from up to like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 hour sets. And, um, when I got to around 16 years old, I was, I started getting a bit bored of DJing and wanted to figure out what the next step would be in music. So Mm. got myself a copy, copy of Ableton and, um, just started playing around with it until, you know, finally one day something good came of it. And, um, I decided that's what I wanted to do full time. So that's kind of how I got to where I am today, I guess. Do you think DJing helped you with production, like getting into it initially? Because I did the same thing, but I thought production would be somewhat easy. Like I found DJing, but it wasn't. No, no, it definitely, definitely helped. Um, It really helps just knowing other music. And um, I find a lot of my, I like taking a lot of influences from, you know, older records and stuff that I was playing at house parties, some stuff that I necessarily didn't want to play always kind of helped me 
when it came to production. Like I usually reference tracks that are completely outside of, you know, electronic music. And uh, I think that all came from the DJ background. Right, right, for sure. Um, and so how did you like do a Google search? Was there a friend who told you about production or did you just know about it and then decide, oh, I'm going to do this? Well, I, I was always a big fan of electronic music. So when I um, first discovered kind of dance music and wanted to play it, I, I wanted to know how these tracks were made. So, you know, all the big DJs that I looked up to were all producers and, you know, I wanted to tap into that as well. Right. All right. Gotcha. It seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you've kind of invented your own genre, which is called warehouse bass. Did you purposely set out to create unique music like that or did it kind of happen organically? And the reason I ask is because a lot of people that I talk to, a lot of newer producers worry about creating a signature sound. They don't know how to do it. They worry that their music will never be unique and they think that's the key to success. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent against that. It, 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 music is key to success. And, um, but the main thing is it does have to happen organically. Um, I made a lot of stuff like starting out, like I've made trance, I've made big room, I've experimented with hip hop. Um, and I think, I think I feel like the warehouse based genre was like just a fusion of like everything I kind of grew up listening to or making. Um, right. And I, I feel like it, it is important for that to happen naturally and not to force it too much. But it is good to always think ahead and I, I always think when I'm making a record, how, how is this different to other, you know, electro or bass house or whatever you want to call it records out there. So for me, it's, it's very important to uh, experiment and make sure every record has its own point of difference. Like I said, yeah, you don't want to force it. Um, it definitely has to happen organically. It's only the past year or two that I've, you know, found a, a sound like a little pocket where I fit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would you recommend against forcing it? I just feel like once you think about it too much and you do force it, it, it really kind of blocks your creativity because mm. you feel like you're doing it because you feel like you have to. And I, I don't, I feel like music sh should happen naturally because um, you can't force creativity. And um, once once you have that pressure, I, I feel like it really takes away from the creative aspect and the fun of it. Yeah, totally. I've I've seen this with newer producers who, you know, they a lot of people get into music production, including myself. I did this. You like a certain artist or a set of artists, and you want to emulate them. You want to make music like them, and that's fine. Uh, but then you start to compare, you know, your work to theirs, and you you try to fit into their mold which isn't going to work uh and i've noticed that a lot of new producers who do that just place this unnecessary pressure on themselves um to the point where like they're working they come up with a good idea which is in say a different genre or different style and they just push it aside like they don't even play with it because it doesn't fit their kind of ideal sound and i i actually did the same and i'm not against it i feel like referencing other artists is a very good way to learn production just at, at the very start, that's kind of how I learned. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very easy to copy. See, we, what I've been doing lately is um, I don't use reference tracks anymore. The only time I'll listen to other records from other producers is um, when I'm mixing down. Um, I like my stuff to sound dynamically as good as some of the bigger artists. Other, other than that, I, think, I, I feel like a clean canvas is always 
the best way to go about music. So when you sit down and start a new project, is that is that it? You just have a clean canvas? Do you have any ideas beforehand? Um, because I know, like, I feel like there's two types of producers. One of them, they get ideas just just come to them when they're driving or like going for a walk. Uh, that's not me. I need to open up the DAW and like kind of force an idea out of my head. I can't really come up with ideas until I'm in there. What is it like for you? It's sometimes it's, it's, I'm a bit of both. Like sometimes a bit of experimenting and I'll, you know, just try something or chuck a sample in and it just something cool will happen or I might accidentally warp it wrong and it's kind of sounds cool cause it's a little bit off, but that's what kind of makes it different. Mm. Um, but usually, yeah, I like humming ideas. I, I, I use voice memos on my mobile a lot. So I um, <laughs> I'm the worst voice. Um, but if you listen to my voice memos, you'll have a laugh. Um, a lot of hooks and melody ideas, even some vocal ideas I put down and, you know, I, I sit down with writers and expand on them. But, yeah, I find uh, a lot of the time it, it does start with an idea in my head or a groove or just something I have in my head. Um, and I do often, you know, I do like starting clean slate, but you know, I often um, grab samples from other records that I've done recently. Um, but you know, I use every rec- every sample differently and process it differently, so it does end up sounding different anyway. But um, yeah, I, I, it just really depends. Every record's different. Some 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 start with a drop, some with a breakdown, some with a voice memo, a uh, vocal idea, or I've even had songs where I've got vocal samples and or vocal demos from other artists and, you know, chop them up. And that kind of, that kind of works too, um, to get inspired for a new idea. You kind of answered the next question I was going to ask, which was whether you have like a, a kind of set workflow that you follow. Some people always start with the drop. Uh, some people always start with the intro. Some people mix as they go or mix at the end. Uh, but it sounds for you like it's, it kind of just depends on the project. Yeah, I, mixing definitely is as I go. Um, I like to mm. I like mixing and mastering my own stuff. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like like you said, it is kind of as it is kind of as it comes to me. So I, I don't really have a certain process. Every, everything every record's different, and you know it needs to be treated differently. Now, one thing that stands out to me in a lot of your music is the sound design. Uh, how do you approach that? Is Do you use a lot of audio? I mean, are you designing all these sounds from scratch? I know a lot of people listening to this would love to know. Yeah, um, <laughs> I get asked that a lot actually and it's it's quite funny because um, I'm not actually big on sound design in terms of like synthesis. Like my sound design's more, I do like chopping up one shot samples, yeah. messing with presets. Um, a lot of time, the sound I start with is completely different to, you know, the end product, but that's more so the processing of the sound. Um, for me, I like a lot of distortion, a lot of layering. And for me, the main thing, you know, is the right sound selection. I usually kind of have an idea of what sound I want and then I try to make that. But, yeah, it's not always through synths, like synths or VSTs. Sometimes it is just audio Um and that, that's worked well for me. Yeah, I mean, I used to do that back in the day with the Vengeance. You know Vengeance? Remember those yeah. backs? Oh, mate. And they had all these bass shots, like bass one shots, and you could just chuck a bunch together and get like a really nice sound. Yeah, well, I, I try to stay away from, you know, the common stuff. Um, I can probably get in trouble for this, but I, I do like 
finding old records and just finding little stabs or little snares or anything that, you know, I can chuck in to give it like an authentic feel. And that, that kind of helps too, you know, because I, I like finding samples from places other producers might necessarily not look at. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like those sample packs become popular and then you hear them everywhere. Yeah, especially know? like the <laughs> and, um A lot of oh, the new man. ones, like the new Drezzo stuff, which are, which are great. I've actually used some of them. But I think the key is how you use them, you know, how to use them a little bit differently to other artists. Yeah, totally. Um, what tips would you give to someone who's struggling to create complex bass lines? Like they listen to your stuff. They're like, that's awesome. It sounds so complicated. I have no idea how to do that. Um, do you have like a, a process that you follow or, or is it just kind of random? Really? There's not much to it. It's like a, for me, it's a good kick sample. I barely ever process my kicks. Usually I mix the bass around the kick. Um, and then a really good sound, just really good sound selection with, for, for the bass. Um, and what, what makes the bass cut through, I find is not only the sound, it's, it's the groove or the, you know, the melody that the bass is playing. How do you approach sub bass? Are you just using the sub from the samples or presets that you're using or are you cutting the bottom off them and using like a separate sub line? Um, Depends which record. Some records I, I use the sub from the sample I'm using or, or, or the synth I'm using. Um, but a lot of the time I'll cut, you know, cut the low end and I'll just layer a sub bass throughout just so it's, you know, really um, consistent. Because I, I hate when you hear a record when the sub kind of drops in and out and there's yeah. like a dip in um, like frequency. Yeah. Um, but other, other than that, yeah, there's not – it just really depends like what, what the record is. Some, sometimes you get sub from the kick or, you know, it just, it just really depends. Do you have any little techniques that you use to add complexity to a song? Uh, like for example, one thing I like to do is automate filter delays on say a snare sample during a transition, just to add a little bit of, I call them like, no, I don't call them magic moments. Someone else does it. I know. But he says, like, you want these little magic moments in a song that people latch onto and go, wow, that was cool, and it keeps them listening. Do you have any techniques to do that? I have a few. So, like, one thing I like um, doing is creating silence between sounds. I find, like, the few milliseconds of silence is what really stands out in certain tracks. Um, and it's it's very hard to pick it out in a song unless you, you know, really analyse it. But it, it kind of adds to the feel. Um, in Ableton, there's a, I, I like messing with the transients of like certain samples and, um, you know, like cutting, cutting up clips and, you know, reversing samples and stuff. I feel that kind of adds some uniqueness to, to certain samples. And yeah, like I like automating, um, the cutoffs obviously, and like automate the attack on certain bases. So some bases are like more wobby and some are a bit more straightforward. But yeah, like, like everything, it, it really does depend on the record. Otherwise, if you use the same techniques too often in the same way, they things start sounding a bit the same. Okay, so switching gears for a bit, what does your day-to-day look like? Do you have a uh, routines or, or habits for staying focused, creating consistently? Um, yeah, uh, for me, studio is like my um, priority five days a week, Monday to Friday. So most 
most for the most part, I'm in the studio Monday to Friday. You know, I like to get in early. Um, recently, I found like looking after my health a bit more kind of helps me mentally. So, you know, I'll step out for lunch um, rather than locking myself in the studio all day. It's important to have like little breaks. Um, I'll, I'll jump out a few times during the day and, you know, have phone calls with a few of my friends or my managers or whatever um, rather than just sitting in there. And just recently started going to the gym, which kind of helps me, you know, wake up early in the morning and feel fresh. But other than that, yeah, my day is pretty standard. I, I, I do sometimes, you know, after the gym or after the studio, go go see some friends and stuff, which I think it's important to like balance social life because, yeah, I w- unless you're in a good, you know, mind frame, it's very hard to, to write music. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important and I'm glad you mentioned it because – so many producers, like their schedule looks like this. If they're working a day job, they'll come home, um, they'll eat food, waste time for a bit, maybe watch some Netflix, sit down at like 8.30 or 9 with a massive Red Bull and like bag of Doritos and then they produce until say 12 or 1, go to sleep, have to wake up early the next day. That's not sustainable. Like It's just going to ruin you. And then they complain that they've got writer's block or like they don't feel motivated to make music. Fact is, they're super tired. So I'm glad you mentioned the health thing. I think that's so important. Yeah, um, and and I find as well, like because I do do music full time, like I'm not on a certain schedule. If I'm if I'm feeling a bit down, I might go in the studio at like ten or eleven instead of you know eight or nine. Um, or I might even go take a day off and go to the beach, have lunch with a friend or something, and um, that little break actually really helps because. You know, I find when I'm in a good mind frame, I do work a lot quicker. And what I'll do the next day after doing that will be double what I would have done the day before anyway. So it does make up for it. Yeah, absolutely. It's really hard though to get into that mindset, I think, especially when everyone's talking about hustling and so on and you feel guilty for taking a break or a day off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's there's more than enough hours in a week, I find. So Right. Like if you do have to skip a day, you just got to make sure you make up for it, for it the next day. That's kind of how I see it. Um, but like I said earlier in the interview, like you just can't force creativity and uh, it's important not to do so. In that case then, what do you do when you don't feel creative? Like you, let's say you get into the studio, it's nine o'clock, you sit down, it's just not happening. You're not tired or anything. It's just, it's not happening for you. How do you deal with that? So... In that situation, either, like I said, I'll go take a, take a little break or I, I actually do a lot of added production, mixing and mastering. Um, I've written some pop records as well. There's a, a producer named Chronic. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Yep. Um, and another producer called G-Wizard. And we kind of have a little production team. We do some records for like, uh, we've done some stuff for Austin Mahone, um, for Pitbull, oh, nice. some stuff for Lil John, for Jennifer Lopez. I find that stuff doesn't take as much creative. It's more technical. Um, so when I'm not feeling creative, I do focus more on like mixing, uh, mastering, more of the the non, you know, creative stuff that doesn't require as much brain power. But yeah, other than that, that's there's really no way around it. <laughs> I, I agree that you can't force creativity, but at the same time, I think there's like like the whole waiting for inspiration. I don't know if that's good advice. Like. 
No, no, I've seen a lot of producers do this. You know, they sit down and they wait and they won't try anything. Uh, Another thing I should have mentioned is listen to podcasts or listen to things you wouldn't normally listen to. Um, Mm. And instead of waiting for inspiration, uh, find it, you know, jump on on Splice. There's a million samples you can go through and like you might find a loop or one sample or a groove or just anything that might spark an idea. Um, and unless you go out there and look for it, you're, you're not going to find it, you know? Yeah, I totally agree with that. The times where I've been or felt unmotivated or uninspired, often what brings me back to music is listening to new music and just hearing like one song and and straight away feeling like I need to enter the studio. Maybe it's an idea or a melody or like a, a beat that I've heard. I'm like, that's awesome. Exactly, um, yeah. Uh, people just stop listening to new music or they listen to what they always listen to. Uh, or it's amazing like how as a producer you can kind of just avoid listening to music altogether. <laughs> that's some that's what I was about to say. A lot of producers just turn off the radio. They don't yeah. come on Spotify. They don't actually know what's going on around them. And I feel yeah. like it's important to know what's going on around you to know where you kind of fit and how you can do, you know, how you can fit within certain trends differently. For me, I, I used to do a lot of that, like just seeing my room producing. But listening to other music really helps me, especially being a dance producer. I I don't listen to dance music in the car anymore. I, I like listening to like old Dr. Dre albums and just listening to like Triple J artists, some more chill kind of stuff. Um, just checking out what's what like the hottest playlists are for like more of the alternative stuff. And just, you know, all the old NWA stuff, all the old um, Eminem, just anything that's kind of outside the box, even like listening to like Frank Ocean and stuff. Um, I, have a, I have a massive SD card that a friend of mine um, and my manager, one of my managers actually gave me and it's got like all the greatest albums from like the nice. 1970s to like now. And like I just scroll through on my car, wherever it lands, that's what I'm listening to for the day. And I find that that really helps too. Yeah, I like that. There's a reason why that music is, has been so timeless as well. Exactly, yeah. And I actually think, not to go on a tangent too much, but I think that's one thing that um, producers uh, struggle with a lot these days is creating music that is timeless. It's harder when you're making club music because it's not actually made to be timeless necessarily. But regardless, like I, I know that a lot of artists are just focusing on like, I don't know, my friend calls it, junk food music where it's, it's just like cho- copying the chain smokers or something, but there's no point of differentiation. You kind of alluded to that earlier. Speaking of timeless, uh, the one thing I notice is what, what is timeless about the songs necessarily about, sorry, certain records is the song, not, not necessarily the sound design of production. People remember a good vocal hook or a good melody. People aren't going to remember the bass stab you stole out of Drezzo's path. <laughs> Exactly. But if you listen to like the old David Guetta stuff, like I, I played recently at a, a at a club in Sydney called Marquee um, oh. and I played a 3 till 5 a.m. set and um, it was after an act that plays pretty heavy and I was on the close. I, I don't really play that heavy anymore. So I was like, okay, what are the, what's this crowd going to know? So I just decided to play a full classic set and, um, you know, a lot of the drops and stuff like Love Is Gone, David Guetta, Pajanu by Eric Prids, a lot of the production mm. was dated, but they were still great songs and everyone loved them. Like it went off. 
just because of the song itself rather than the production. And I think that's what a lot of producers are missing these days. You know, they're not working with enough musicians or they're not writing melodies. Um, mm. They're just writing beats. And that, that's why, I don't know if you've noticed, I, I, I like getting vocalists and features and stuff on my records because I feel that that really brings a new dimension to it. It's it's rather than like the standard club music. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with that. I do think more producers need to get out and collaborate more. I also think that's what, that's also what makes it fun. Like I used to play in a band and had some of the best days just jamming. And you can't really do that when you're sitting by yourself. Exactly. And that's where the best ideas are, right? When you just jam, something happens. Like I think all my like favorite records of my my own uh, have happened in a few hours just jamming with a certain artist or, you know, like just jamming, not actually having an end goal, just wanting to make something good. <laughs> I noticed the other day, do you, uh, do you follow Sun Holo? Have you heard of him? Yes, I do. Yeah, he's been posting like these little videos on YouTube because uh, he's working on an album and like all these videos are just him jamming out with like some mates doing stuff on Ableton. It's like that's how he's writing his album. And you know, he, he's a young guitarist, right? Yeah, he's, he's a great guitarist, yeah. I think that's that's really helping him with, with his, you know, his melodies and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, a few more questions. If you were to start all over again today, what would you do, what would you do differently, if anything? Oh, that's a tricky one. Okay. Um, firstly, I'd I'd stop. I would have stopped worrying about making it a long time ago. I think every producer and DJ that starts up is like, oh, I want to be like Tiesto, and that's yeah. the goal. It's not. It, it it takes away from the craft of it, um, and that's that's definitely one thing I'd do differently. It would have been great to start knowing what I know now, like Mm. five years later, you know, the way certain things should look and sound and branding. Like there's so many releases I have from like three, four years ago that I wish I could just delete off iTunes. But yeah, like I guess that's all part of the process and learning. So, you know, no no major regrets, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. Okay. For for each of these, just – say overrated or underrated serum oh uh actually underrated there's um there's way way more features and there's way more you can do in serum than what people use it for you know people just use it for the packs and stuff or you know their basic sounds but yeah there's just way more opportunity in serum than people actually acknowledge Mm. i agree australian electronic music scene underrated why um, there's a lot of, we have a lot of artists here that just, I feel like they're just so secluded from everything. Like they should just, they're so talented. They should be way bigger than they are. Um, and I feel like the scene kind of, you know, there's a lot of people in the scene that kind of control trends and stuff here in Australia. Mm. Um, and I feel a lot of people just don't get listened to because they're not in certain circles or, you know, friends with a certain promoter or A&R guy. They're just not getting their music where it needs to be. Late night producing. Underrated. Why is that? Well, late night is like, I feel like some, it's like the best time without your, you know, people are asleep, people aren't calling you, messaging you. It's the time without distracted, uh, sorry, distractions. True. And I, I think more people need to take advantage of that. 
Interesting. Okay. Um, and finally, Ableton's native devices. Definitely underrated. There's a there's a few producers I know that make uh, all their synths in Operator. Um, like I know a kid that makes kick drums in Operator. His name's Leotry. He's a um he's a young producer from Sydney as well. And um, like the stuff he does is unreal. And it's all Ableton, no third pl- like party plugin. Um, but yeah, I think it definitely is definitely underrated and needs, needs a bit more attention. I, um, I should use Ableton's EQ reverb, a lot of Ableton distortion myself. So yeah, I, I think everyone just goes straight to Camel Crusher or yeah. Fan or whatever, whatever they're using, um, which, which are dope, but, um, yeah, I think there's a lot you can do in Ableton as well. There's nothing that annoys me more than like a new producer spending thousands of, of dollars on plugins that they don't need or know how to use. Exactly. Like my philosophy has always been if you don't know why you need it, like why are you getting it? You know, like if you don't, if you don't know why you're spending $400 on this software compressor, don't get it. Like it's a waste of money for you. If anything, you should be getting those, that, that, those kind of plugins once you've kind of learned basics you know you should be learning it in ableton and then once you know it so well then you, you might look at a you know a 500 dollar compressor or whatever like i said there's nothing you can do outside of ableton that you can't do in it yeah yeah exactly to my understanding uh flume uses like pretty much just ableton though i could be wrong on that it was a while ago when i heard that yeah i i heard he he did a he did a lot of that as well and he he was actually a ableton teacher at one stage Teaching Ableton courses, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's true. All right. So what's coming up for you in the next, say, zero to 12 months? Um, a lot of new music, hopefully a lot of touring. Um, so um, my next release comes out the end of next month with uh, Chronic. Um, and then I've got a few solo records. The remix pack for my latest one with Kwame uh, Legacy is out this week as well. But yeah, other than that, just the whole heap of uh, collaborations, solo work, and um, yeah, hopefully some shows. Fantastic. Well, thanks heaps, James, for coming on the show. Uh, finally, where can people find you online and check out your music? Thanks for having me, man. Um, so you can find me uh, facebook.com forward slash jsounds, um, jsoundsau on Twitter, jsounds underscore au on Instagram, and uh, just jsounds on SoundCloud. 